Matthew 2. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, or wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go worship him. Yeah, right. After that, uh, after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And they and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, the house, not a manger, house, just ruining the Christmas story for you, house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. That's as far as we'll go this morning. There's an outline in your bulletin if you want to follow along. We start this series today that will take us through Christmas called The Gift. And we're going to be talking about giving. But before we start jumping into what does it mean for us to give in this time of year, we need to take a moment and pause and reflect upon the true meaning of giving and the true meaning that we need to respond to what has already been given to us. And um, one of the things that was given to us as a gift uh, was through the Ezra Jack Keats um, Foundation. They allowed us, we found this little book uh, called The Little Drummer Boy. Anybody know and love this song? Right? Love it. Anybody seen the King and Country version of this with the drums? Okay. Google this today. King and Country it's unbelievable. We're going to have Nielsen dress up just like the guy, the lead singer, for Christmas and do that song. But um, this this basically just tells us the story of the little drummer boy. Um, I'm going to read it for you. Kids, you can sing along. Come, they told me. Pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. Our newborn king to see. Pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. Our finest gifts to bring, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum, to lay before the king, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum, rum-pa-pum-pum, rum-pa-pum-pum. So to honor him, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum, when we come. 
And I'll stop right there. You know the rest of the song, right? It's this beautiful little story, this beautiful little song about a little drummer boy who had nothing to give. And Ezra Jack Keats, in this marvelous, beautiful um, picture book, um, shares the story of the Magi and the little drummer boy. And they gifted us the ability to use uh, this picture right here for this series. You're going to actually be receiving... Uh, an, an ornament during this series that you're not going to get to keep. You're going to have to give it away to somebody. Um, and it's just this beautiful story about this little boy who comes, as you know, and has nothing to give the king. He gets in front of the baby king and he, he says, I don't, I don't have gold. I don't have frankincense. I don't have myrrh. I'm with these, these wise men. The story's not in the Bible, right? But I don't, I don't have any of these gifts to give. And, and Mary says, well, you know, play your drum. So he says, okay, I'll play, I'll play my, I'll play my drum for him. I'll give what I can give to him. And see, um, this is what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about giving our little gifts back to Jesus, but we need to frame this correctly for the series. And the way we need to frame it is understanding who the Magi are going to and who the little drummer boy are going to and who is the reason that we actually worship during this time of year and celebrate during this time of year. And his name, unfortunately, is not Santa Claus. His name is Jesus. The first bullet point in your outline, the greatest gift ever given is Jesus. And I want to unpack that for us. Somebody caught that joke. Okay. Um, no, no. Okay. You'll get it tomorrow. Um, I want to unpack this greatest gift for you of Jesus. Um, but by having you dwell upon this, imagine that you were God for a moment and that you were living in glory. Everything was perfect. You were, you were in heaven and everything was absolutely perfect and there was nothing wrong. Imagine that you had to leave perfection to go down to earth. Right? Now, if you know anything about earth, earth and heaven, ah, they're a little different, right? In heaven, God's rule is the rule. In earth, there's a whole bunch of man's rules and they get broken all the time and people are dying and sick and unhealthy and angry and bitter and there's, there's brokenness everywhere. Imagine going from perfection to brokenness. Imagine humbling yourself as God to put on flesh and come, yes, as a little baby, humble, meek, and poor into this world. This is why Jesus is the greatest gift. Can you imagine making that decision? I don't think I could make that decision. Right? God and I are having a conversation. God says, hey, Brian, i got a little assignment for you. I'm going to have you go down to these people who don't really obey me or listen to me. And I want you to go down. And I'm like, okay. And then he says, as a baby, really as a baby? Like, you want to entrust me to these people? You know, they drop children, right? Like, they're keep their people, right? Right? They're their people. You want to entrust me to them? Yeah, yeah. How about you go down to them? And then how about at the end of like 33 years, we'll give you 33 years, not like 85, Jesus. They're not like 85, Dad. No, we'll give you 33 years. And then at the end of 33 years, guess what? They're going to murder you. Does that sound great? Right? I mean, if I'm there and I'm standing with God the Father and I'm Jesus and I go, no deal, Jesus, no deal. we got to figure out something else. And yet... 
This is the story that we gather around this morning. This is the story that we gather around during Christmas. And in the midst of all the presents and the, the Black Friday shopping, oh man, Lori went into Kohl's this week and like she, on Friday she walked in and like I went to get coffee and she just texted me, I'm coming back out. Like that's all, all the shopping she did. She didn't even like get into the store. She just left. In the midst of all the chaos of our season, the question for us would be, what is our greatest gift? What is our focus? What is our greatest gift? What has greatest value to us in this season each and every day? See, Jesus, as John says, he put on, he put on flesh. He, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He came to be with us. And so we need to focus really clearly on the fact that Jesus is the greatest gift. And I know that all of us are just shaking our heads going, yep, that, that's what I, that I came to church. That's what I was expecting to hear, right? It's like the story of the kid with the squirrel. You heard the story of the kid with the squirrel? No? Okay. So there's a kid in church. This is totally free. This is not even part of my sermon. It wasn't even in the notes. Okay. Kid in church. And he gets invited up with a bunch of other kids to a children's sermon. We don't really do those here, but like sometimes you grew up in the church, the kids would come forward and then, and then the pastor will tell like a mini sermon to the kids, right? And so the pastor is telling this mini sermon to these kids and he's saying, Hey, I'm going to describe something for you today. Okay. And I want you to tell me what it is when you figure it out. And so he says to the kids, Hey, here's what it is. It's, it's furry. It's got a big tail. And it lives in a tree and nobody raises their hand. And the kids are kind of looking and the pastor's like, well, maybe I got to give some more, some more information here. He says, well, you know, they're either gray or brown, or sometimes I've even seen them in black and they chirp in the tree and they can't fly and they store nuts for the winter. And, and, and the little kids like, the little kids are looking at him and he's looking at them and he's like, don't you understand what I'm talking about? And one little kid, he sheepishly raises his hand and he says, pastor, Sure sounds like a squirrel, but I know we're in church, so the answer is Jesus, right? <laughs> that wasn't even in my in my notes. All right. Um, <laughs> the greatest gift is Jesus, though. And even though it's the expected thing for you to hear this morning, even it's even though it's not surprising for what you would hear this morning, I want you to understand that this is what we're going to continue to go back to each and every moment. Because the problem with a sermon series like this is we're going to talk about giving of yourself, of your time, of your treasure, of your talent. And one of the quickest things that we can do is we can start making this about me and about us instead of about Jesus. And so we need to frame this correctly. See, um, Jesus is the greatest gift. And the second point in your outline says this. A gift, Jesus, that is given needs to be two things. Received and responded to. A gift that is given needs to be received and responded to. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says it like this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is a gift of God. Jesus comes as a baby, as a gift for the world, offering salvation and grace and yes, faith in Him. And Ephesians teaches us that this is all a gift, that we are saved through faith by grace. And this is a gift from God. 
So a gift that is given, the gift of grace through Jesus, can be received, it needs to be received or responded to. See, here's the reality. You can reject a gift, and you cannot respond to a gift as well, right? I mean, I like gifts. Anybody else like gifts? I like gifts. I like getting them. I like giving them equally as much. I like getting like the perfect thing for the person that I know is just going to lighten their day up, right? We're going on a trip to Hawaii on Christmas Day this year. So awesome. I'll be gone for two weeks. I'll pray for you like once or twice. And um, and I'll sit on the beach. It'll be amazing, right? And I'm going to fly on an airplane for seven hours with a three-year-old and a five-year-old, okay? So you should pray for me. And... Um, what we've been doing is talking about gifts a lot because we're like, we're going to give our kids one little gift every hour just to appease them while we're on the plane for seven hours or something. So last night we're on Amazon and we're trying to find like these little trinkets and gifts and stickers on the, that you can stick on the side of the plane to keep our three and five year old entertained for seven hours. I love gifts. I love getting them. I love giving them. I love ruining them. Anybody else love ruining your presents? Like, I love shaking them. I was the kid who unwrapped them and then rewrapped them. I did that. Okay, anybody? Be honest. You're in church here. Okay, okay, good. Gift, gift openers unite. Um, but you can reject a gift, can you not? Right? You can say, I don't want, I don't want a gift from you. Here's the reality in this season. A lot of us have happy faces on, Thanksgiving was fun, yay, 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 here comes Christmas, but can we just be honest for a minute, like, this is a really crummy time of year for a lot of people, right? Can we be really, can we be honest? Like, I think more and more that Thanksgiving to Christmas might be one of the hardest times in the entire year for more people than not. I think in this room, there are probably more of you who are going to be dealing with painful situations in this next month than happy, clappy, wonderful situations in your life. Because you're going to be remembering loved ones who have passed on this past year. You're going to remember strained relationships. You're going to have to maybe even get together with family members who you just don't, you don't see eye to eye. You don't get along. You don't even want to be with them. Um, I mean, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of pain involved in this time of year. And if we're really honest, like there are some people that we probably don't want to receive a gift from this year, right? You could probably pick somebody that if I said to you, you want a gift from so-and-so, you might say, nah, I don't want to give from them. I don't want to give from them and I don't want to give them a gift either. See, gifts that are given need to be received and then responded to. First received. We receive the greatest gift through belief. We receive the greatest gift through belief. And belief is a funny thing in our day and age, is it not? Right? Because belief is oftentimes uh, connected to feelings in our day and age. So people will make belief statements um, that are odd sometimes. Right? Like like this. Um, I might say to you, I believe that I am the greatest ballerina of all time. Okay? I mean, I feel like a ballerina on the inside. And I sometimes dream about being a ballerina. And I've watched a whole bunch of YouTube videos about how to be a ballerina. I even bought a tutu and some shoes that are special for your toes to stand up on. 
And, and you might be a little skeptical, but I might say to you, I believe this deep in my heart like I am a ballerina, right? But things would change if I actually handed you a brochure to the Nutcracker Ballet, and on the front of it there was a picture of me, right? You would say, wow, there's a, there's a little bit of evidence here. It's not just that Brian feels like a ballerina, he might be a ballerina. And then if you had the audacity to go and buy a ticket to the Nutcracker, go to the Nutcracker, and then watch me perform uh, pirouettes and, and jumps like you've never seen before, you would say, yes, Brian is a ballerina. I believe he's a ballerina, too. That None of that is true, by the way, okay? Just, just block that view from your mind. That's a bad mental picture, right? See, belief is based upon um, evidence, and it's based upon faith, right? Right? Um, belief, sometimes you'll hear this in church, like, oh, you just need to believe. And what somebody's saying there is, they're saying something to the effect of, you just need to have faith in maybe what you can't see and what you can't touch and what you can't uh, experience right here. But belief, I, I, I really, I really was digging down on this. Belief is founded in both faith, but it's also based upon evidence. And, and I love this, right? I, I love that our faith is not just, um, just based in, our, 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 sorry, our belief is not just based in blind faith, but it's, it's, it's based in faith and evidence. We have a text here that has stood the test of time to talk about Jesus. Lots of different authors, lots of different people. Jesus has been verified by people outside of the Bible even as a historical figure who walked on this earth. We have growing amounts of evidence that Jesus actually is who he says he was. And so we believe this based upon evidence, but it's not always clear. See, the Magi in this story, they were from afar. And they studied the stars and they knew based upon the evidence that there was a certain star that was going to show up, certain phenomenon in the sky, and that they were going to know that that signaled the king of the Jews, the king of kings was going to come and that they needed to go and to worship him. And so they had a bunch of evidence. They had studied about this. They had considered this person, this Messiah, this king of the Jews would come when this certain star appeared in the sky. But that wasn't enough because they needed something more than just simple belief based upon evidence. They had evidence. They had a little bit of faith. But belief ultimately takes some courage, does it not? Belief takes courage. The next point in your outline. During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. It's a tiny little passage that we could just jump right over, right? Oh, yep, yep. That's what happened. It's, it's in my nativity scene. There's, there's three wise men. Guess what? There probably wasn't three. There was just three gifts. Ruined it for you. Okay. And they didn't show up at the manger. Later in the story, they showed up at a house. So he's probably a toddler. Ruined your, your manger scene again. So just put it away for the year. Okay. Um, the Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. Easy to jump over, but it's a moment of courage. It's a moment of courage. These are well-studied men, well-studied men and women who know 
um, about this king of the Jews. They know the Old Testament. They know some of the prophecies. They know that at a certain time, under a certain sign, that there was going to come a ruler, a king of kings, out of this small town, out of Bethlehem. And when this star appears, they say to themselves, let's go see this baby. And I don't know if they even knew it was a baby. Scholars kind of debate about this in commentaries, whether or not they actually knew it was a baby. They knew it was a king that was going to appear at a certain time. So they they they, they decide they're going to go. And this is where courage enters, right? Because we skip over this little verse that says they went from the east to Jerusalem. But let's think about the logistics of this. This isn't like, you know, hop in your car, you know, throw the kids in the back, and off you go to Jerusalem. This is like, hey, do we have enough... Do we have enough camels? Do we have enough water? Do we have enough food? Like, can we make it there? Like, what if we get stuck halfway? How's that going to work? I mean, this is several days, if not weeks, if not months of travel, right? And they're going on the fact that they see a star in the sky... And they're going to go worship this king. Belief takes courage. There's a certain uh, amount of them just having to step out, right? To step ahead, to go see this king. They needed to, they needed to receive him and they received him courageously. See, belief requires courage. Some of us in the room need a little courage. We're like the, the lion in the Wizard of Oz, right? We need a little bit of courage in our life. We need to weigh the evidence. We need to have faith. But we need to believe courageously. So first we receive with belief. And second we respond. We respond to the greatest gift through worship. What is worship? Let me read this for you. This book is called The Air I Breathe by Louis Giglio. Anybody know Louis? He is a phenomenal pastor down in Atlanta at Passion City Church and has been a part of um, a large revival of uh, young adults coming to know and love God. And he starts out his book, The Air We Breathe, Worship as a Way of Life with this. You, my friend, are a worshiper. There, I said it. Every day, all day long, everywhere you go, you worship. It's what you do. It's who you are. So if by chance you only had a few seconds to check out this book, this is what he's talking about. We are all worshipers created to bring pleasure and glory to the God who made us. I don't know whether or not you consider yourself a worshiping kind of person, but you cannot help but worship something. It's what you were made to do. Should you for some reason choose not to give God what He desires, you're still worshiping something. Exchanging the Creator for something that He has created. Think of it this way. Worship is simply about value. The simplest definition that I can give is this. Worship is our response to what we value the most. We respond to the greatest gift ever given through worship. And Louis would say to us, we are made for worship and you worship whatever you value the most. So the question for us this morning is, what do we value the most? What do we value the most? 
right? Um, for some of us, we may not say it out loud, but we value money above all other things. For some of us, we would say we value success above all other things. For some of us, we would say we value our family or our kids more than anything else. For many of us, I would say most of us, at some point, we say we would value ourselves among uh, above everyone else. So whatever we value, whatever we hold high, whatever we put all our weight upon, that is what we worship. And I've heard this from pastors before. I think this is a great insight. If you gave me your your wallet and, and I could see what you spent your money on and you gave me your schedule and I saw what you spent your time on, I could tell you what you value. I could tell you what you worship. And you could do the same with me, right? It's two-way street here. See, we all value and worship something because that is what we were made to do. We are worshipers, and worship is a way of life. It's what you do every single day, whether you want to or not. So the question is, who or what do you worship? And the the clearest picture of this is um, this idea of what do you bow your knee to? Right? Like what, what makes you bow down to it? What makes you, what makes you say, this is greater than me and I am less than this. I'm going to put this up here and I'm going to be down here. What is it that we bow down to? Because worship takes humility. Worship takes humility. The Magi travel from afar. In verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. See, these magi, these wise men, these, can you imagine this? These kings, they come, and the picture probably here is that Jesus is probably a toddler at the time. And they're at a house, and Mary's got him maybe sitting on his lap, or on her lap, and these magi, these kings, these very successful, very powerful, they've got, they've got everything that they need. They can, they can, on a whim, they can travel because of a star they saw in the sky. They can travel from the east all the way to Jerusalem. I mean, these are guys and gals that have made it in life. And they walk in, and they see a toddler, and what do they do in response? They bow down and worship him. I mean, can you, can you imagine this? Can you imagine a ruler, a governor, a president, somebody in our world today bending a knee to a baby? A toddler? We don't do that, do we? We do not do that. And neither did they until they showed up in this moment and met the King of Kings and they recognized, I think they recognized deep within their souls, this is what I was meant to worship. This is who I was meant to worship. And worship takes humility. So what do you bow to? That's really what this series is all about. Right? This, this is a worship series. Okay? We're not going to actually probably talk much about music. Even though we say, oh, that worship team sounded great, because they do. They sound awesome every week, right? But what we're going to talk about is how do we worship with ourselves? What do we give to the giver of all good gifts? How do we respond and receive to the greatest gift ever given? This is a series. The next four weeks together are going to be about one thing and one thing alone. Jesus. And how we respond and receive Him.
And so we're going to talk about three gifts in response to the greatest gift. We're going to talk about three, you can think of it this way, we're going to talk about three ways to worship that are probably a little unexpected for you. Number one, we're going to talk about uh, your talent. You've been given gifts from God. You are uniquely wound. Some of you understand numbers, and God wound you that way so that you could benefit Him and bless Him and others because your, your mind thinks that way. Some of you are creatives. And you could care less about numbers unless they're in a picture, right? And you are meant to make the world beautiful. And you are meant to bring creativity to the world. And you are meant to worship God with your creativity that has been knit into who you are. Some of you are good with money. And you are um, gifted to help understand how to manage money and teach other people how to manage money and teach other people how to um, share their wealth with others and how to uh, lift up the kingdom of God with their wealth. Some of you are blessed, yes, with um, musical gifts. And you get to come in here and lead us and guide us each and every Sunday and, and bring us really into the lap of Jesus so that we can hear Him clearly, hopefully, during the sermon, right? We are going to talk about how you're uniquely wound and how God uniquely created you and how you can share those gifts and those talents with the King of Kings, the greatest gift, Jesus. The second week, we're going to talk about your time. Your time. I think this one's maybe probably the hardest one. It's the hardest one for me. Spoiler alert, okay? My time. I don't know about you, but like, my time, I feel like, is very valuable, and I, w- I waste a lot of my time. And, 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 and I, I think a lot about my schedule, and I think a lot about how I can use my time valuably. And time kind of consumes me. I don't know about any of you, but like, thinking about time consumes me. We're going to be talking about what does it mean for us to respond to the greatest gift in our time? What does it look like for our lives to be set in a rhythm, in a pattern, in a way that can intentionally lead us to the manger? That can intentionally lead us to the foot of Jesus so that we may bow and worship? How can our time worship God? And last, we'll talk about what I think is the easiest one, our treasure. We're going to talk about money. And we're going to be talking about how we can um, steward what God has given to us with what we have. We we talked about this last week. This was a setup. Last week was a setup for this whole series, The Rich Fool. Right? We're going to be talking uh, about how everything we've been given, every penny we've been given, every um, material possession we've been given, every all the stuff we've been given, all of it is a gift from God. And we are just managers of it. And God calls us to manage it well for His kingdom. And um, um, I'll end with two things. One, um, I have failed you as a pastor a little bit. Um, It's been three years um, and I haven't taught a series on giving and on um, how to give properly and how to like, and some of you who are new to church are like, oh, of course, the pastor's talking about money at the end of the year because they need it to meet the budget. No, actually, we've exceeded budget three years in a row, which is part of why I haven't taught on it which is kind of arrogant of me, to be honest with you. And I've failed you, and I need you to, to um, forgive me for failing you. Because one of my elders said this to me a couple uh, months ago. He said, Brian, if they don't learn how to give in church, where are they going to learn how to give? And I just cannot get out of my head. The world gives for all different other reasons, and some of them are good, some of them are not um, 
But we are called to give in a whole different way. And my hope is that for all of us, we can engage in this as we close out 2017. That we can respond and receive the gift of Jesus. That we can manage what he has given to us well. And that he may receive the glory and the praise and the honor just like he did when these wise men bowed their knee to him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you did put on human flesh and come as a baby. We thank you for your deep, deep sense of love for us, that while we were still sinners, you died for us, that you have given us new life to look forward to, that we have no fear of death, that we that we are those who have a belief that is founded upon evidence of faith God, that we sometimes need to be a little more courageous in. We want to respond to you, Jesus. We want to worship you well. And and so I ask that we'd be able to do that uh, in these next couple weeks as we prepare to celebrate your birth. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I had two things. The last thing is this. I love Christmas carols, so y'all better just get used to it. So we're going to sing a lot of them in the next couple weeks. So let's stand and sing our last song, Joy to the World.